And it's a very good evening this Monday evening. Thank you for joining. I'm Wayne Turner. The show is Talk at Six with Wayne Turner. And we're going to be chatting uh, issues that are relevant to our community. We're going to try to get answers, uh, give information. But generally, uh, when you finish listening to the show, be more informed and updated. Uh, we're not controversial. We're not trying to uh, pick holes in, in, in our guests' theories or what they do. We want to make you more uh, educated. So uh, let me just tell you how the show works. We have a guest expert uh, for every Monday of the month between six and quarter to seven. First is our education. Second is finance. Third is community. And fourth is our medical. This one is the third one. And we are really going community today. I've managed to track down this guest who has an extremely busy uh, schedule, as most of them do. But she's allocated 40 minutes of her time to chat through some very relevant issues. And that's none other than our Ward 64 counsellor, Amy Cool. Very warm welcome this evening. Uh, thank you, Wayne. Thank you so much for inviting me. Um, it's a huge pleasure to be here. Right. So um, I just want to emphasise the fact that um, we're not trying to talk politics. Uh, we're not talking DA, ACDP, ANC. We're not trying to... Uh, say things about parties we're just trying to get to the nitty-gritty now amy um before we get into the discussions tell us a bit about yourself not many people know who you are where you've come from everyone amy called the ward councillor tell us a bit about yourself so when i um actually studied development studies at uct and was very much involved in grassroots level development specifically focusing on early childhood development and orphanages and Cape Town has a very um, flourishing NGO sector, but anybody who is in an NGO will know that you're forever fighting for funding and you're the story of your life. And you're navigating different tiers of government and sponsors. Are basically navigating the financial minefield. Everyone's trying to get the, the funds. A piece of the cake. Uh, I thoroughly enjoyed doing that. I've always been very much hands on grassroots level wanting to have a direct impact but I then also realized that it might be of more benefit to our communities if if I can be sort of a link between mm. between government between key role players and those that need it the most right so that's how I got involved in politics and then in 2016 I pretty much all of a sudden was running a local government election campaign and um, we have to hang up our own posters, and it was a bit of a surreal experience. But then then I became a ward councillor, and to be completely honest, at that point in time, I had absolutely no idea what I was signing up for. And it was a bit like a bucket of cold water, what you expected and what the it reality was. was. Yes. Because it's not, it's not easy. I mean, you, you're uh, basically an employee of a party, and you've got to perform and give... Uh, feedback and you've got goals and targets to meet so it's not it's not just like people think well you just go out there and you uh look for potholes and have a caucus meeting or council meeting it is a lot more to it well actually yes there is a lot more to it and just to be very clear like it doesn't matter what party ticket you come into in south africa the way that local government is legislated is you represent all the people mm. yes you might have gotten in on a party ticket but once you're in in the size of a municipality like ours, and Ward 64 starts at Lakeside, Marina de Gama, and goes all the way to Fishhook, 
like the party political stuff really is not the priority. Mm. So what drives Amy Cool the person? What, what, what makes you get up in the morning and put up with uh, what you need to? I really believe that South Africa is a phenomenal country. I have German heritage. I haven't uh, spent my whole life in South Africa. I was very privileged to travel throughout the world. And um, I came back to South Africa because it really is my home. And I believe we have lots of work to do. Um, and also a very strong need to make sure that we fight corruption and that inequality, we're not at a point. Let's, mm. let's be very frank. We're not at a point where we have a society where everybody gets the same level of services. And, you know, we need to restore dignity. For me, about access to services which isn't the case for everybody, is about restoring dignity. So that really, no matter how, gets you up in the morning. how bureaucratic the processes are, how frustrating the big system is, I always go back to that. Like if I see inequality, we have to do better. Mm. It's like many of us who volunteer within the realm of uh, local government, uh, the city. You, you do it not because of the frustrations you have uh, volunteering for a, a huge conglomerate it's because something drives you from the from the inside whether you paid for it or not you've got to have that inner drive otherwise you can uh, uh, sign off exit very very quickly I, I think also I want to stay, state at this point um, ward councillors in particular we're citizens first and mm. we're residents first and right. we live in our respective wards and in our areas so we know what's going wrong and we know what should be done and we also know what's amazing about the place where we live in. And the problem is you have a network within your community so people find you out or uh, check what you're not doing right very, very quickly whether it's positive or negative because you're part of that community. I think also it's important to say, Wayne, that yes, obviously we have a lot of people complaining and I want to say that I understand their frustrations 100%. Because if my water is out, I also don't have water. But I actually want to emphasize that I also have amazing relationships with people who are doing so much in civil society mm. and they never get recognized. So for me personally, I identify with this job that I amplify the good that people are mm. doing and use my pu you know, public role to amplify what they're doing. Right. Okay, so let's get to grassroots. We have this thing uh, that frustrates us. I, I, I think I first met you who knew you, or knew who you were out of the frustration of the Musenberg beach huts. Now, that's we six years later and we're starting seeing something, to, something happening with some uh, fundraising from, from uh, private people, but it, it's happening. It takes a, a long time. And so often... Uh, you're judged on short-term achievements and something doesn't happen this week, then there, there's a problem. Tell us a bit about what the role of the city councillor is. As laid down, I think there was a report from a professor at the University of Western Cape and they laid out what are the roles and responsibilities of a, of a councillor and they don't always line up what we think they should be. So, th so the first thing that we need to say there is that it's not a very well-defined job description. Mm. We're not employees. Um, we get directly elected by the people. We're the only public representatives that do. And it's not uh, like... Well, the, vo the voting is for the person, not for the party, for city councillors. 
Yeah, yeah. So remember, you on the ba- you have two ballots, right? So, so the reality is, we don't have KPAs. We're not fighting for a bottom line of profit. Mm. So, it says represent your community and ensure service delivery. Now, that can mean many things to many people, and I think what also what I certainly had to learn on the fly is. We have quite a complex system of governance in this country. We don't just have a central government like we had during the apartheid era, and it's a top-down approach. Everything funding, we have everything a comes out of the system. So, so, and I fully understand that the average citizen doesn't have the time um, to understand the complexities of a national, a provincial, and a local government. So I spend a lot of time explaining to people what I can't do, mm. which is very frustrating. Um, because what you can't do doesn't mean you'd like to do it. I mean, it's just that you physically can't do it. I mean, your your desire as a citizen representative would like to get in there, but you know, you've had bloodied noses on many occasions where you've poked it and where you shouldn't have trying to stand up for citizens. Well, and I mean, I think that's also my personal background. If you're in an NGO, it doesn't matter if you're the CEO or if you're the cleaning lady, You you make sure that stuff gets done and if you're operating within government there's so much legislation and where you can't do that so that's my personal frustration often but just to to reiterate what the key competencies are and to make sure that our our listeners understand the mayor doesn't hire or fire me mm. and i don't hire and fire officials mm. It's separation of party and state. So we have the city manager. So everybody who's employed by the city reports ultimately to the city manager, not to the mayor. And even the mayor has to abide by rules and can be disciplined by the role of the speaker. So we have two pillars. And often residents don't understand that. I don't pick up a phone and tell an electrician or a water guy to do anything. I have to buy into having built a relationship with that human that he's actually going to respond to me because he actually only has to report to his executive director. I mean, they know if if they don't do something right or they've been obstructive, that there is a, a recourse you can go to senior people as a counsellor and ask, please, to investigate that. But that's not how it works because then you've got a people, they're gonna, not going to deliver when you need to and when you n- need something. Think, oh, who, who's that person? They get me into trouble at times. So that networking relationship is vital. Am I correct? So, so let's talk about how we do exercise oversight. So we have portfolio committees. So, for instance, there's water and sanitation, um, there's electricity. Executive directors have to report to those portfolios. Okay, so there will be a chairperson and they will say, how much money did you spend on fixing broken sewer lines this year? And they will say X amount and then we'll say, okay, well, we've had data show us that we need to fix our sewer lines, which has now incidentally happened Mm. um, in our adjustment budget and now in our new budget. We've realized that our infrastructure, um, I mean, remember city of Cape Town is a huge area. Mm. Um, And it's very old. Very old and kilometers and kilometers of pipes. And so so that's what happens as an oversight level at a portfolio. Mm. We as the politicians say, look, we need to change the budget 
for the, this particular department because the services are not being rendered. It's it, insufficient to render exactly. the quality of service. So it, we're involved in strategic decision making and it's really important for civilians to understand that passing the budget is one of the major responsibilities that we as a municipality and as politicians have. A lot of municipalities outside of the Western Cape don't pass budgets and have debt and can't render any of the services. So incidentally, I had a situation where I needed to get to council to pass the budget and I had a resident parking me in my driveway <laughs> and demanding. And I said, you do understand that if we do not vote this budget, it has repercussions for us being able to deliver the services. So this is just an example to show you how we exercise mm. oversight and what our actual job is versus me standing on the side of the road making sure that that particular service provider that's appointed is fixing that. Mm. Having said that, I think what Cape Town especially is thriving because we have active citizens using our C3 notification in our service delivery system. I know in Musenberg, there's people who just who go around and put just as private citizens and they'll see a pothole and they'll put a C3 in and 10 people will do that. And those C3 uh, what complaints or requests have more impact but uh, I know city councils do the same thing I know uh, uh, improvement district managers do the same thing but that active citizenship is is vital you can no longer just sit back as a citizen and say well I'm going to sit here and wait for my services to be delivered to me sometimes we need to fight and or maybe not fight but to lobby I, I think also it's 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 not that we as the city don't want to give you the services you deserve it's we're dealing with huge inequality in delivering services. So, and then we do need you as eyes and ears. I mean, it, it really, I can wholeheartedly say that we can maintain the level of services that we have in our residential areas is directly linked to residents engaging with the city via the online system. And then it allows me as the counselor, if they WhatsApp me or email me the reference number, to actually immediately hold that official accountable. Because a reference number has been given. We have that in law enforcement. As soon as there's that reference, you can now follow it up and go to the, the operational guys and say, well, I put this in, nothing's happened. You know, well, you can report back and escalate and the rest. So what is the reality? What can a city councillor actually do for you as a resident uh, within the different portfolios, electricity, safety and security, sewage, solid waste, whatever it might be. What can you do for us? Uh, so so the, the big thing... Mainly, is, it's mainly if there's a problem. What can you do? Um, yeah, look, if there's a problem, I can tell you that the, the power that the individual councillor has is very little mm. because, um, like I said, a city official doesn't have to directly engage with us. The administration is meant to do what it's meant to do. So, There's a big wall between operational and politics. And and that is necessary mm. because imagine if it wasn't there and I would go to a local depot and I would say, you know what, I think my ward needs more speed bumps mm. and um, oh, I see there's some tar lying around there. Can you just quickly do that for me? And like, you're speaking out of your, your naive experience when you were a younger counsellor, when you didn't know, you got your nose in, you realised they told you very quickly well, well, that, they told me not because I didn't understand that I can't go and directly request funds. They told me off because I was making sure that high-level officials were 
performing at the level they should and reporting mm. them to the city manager and then unfortunately them not being very happy about it. But I don't mind that. That yeah. is my job. Right. But back to the local level, the way that as a counselor I can assist you is especially if you are linked to a community organization that is lobbying for a specific thing. Right. And Ward 64... There's a residence association, mids, sids, all that sort of... Exactly. And and I can really be that link. So if you have a common cause that you really want to push, and Ward 64 has pristine natural environment that I'm very, very passionate about protecting, like our beaches, our mountains, our wetlands, I can be that link. And a good example of that for Musenberg is the Zandvle area. Right. So a couple of years back, the former estuary manager from the city retired. We got a very young and dynamic new estuary manager in. And Kyron Rice and I have for the past five years been making sure that the quality of water and the environmental biodiversity of the space doesn't degrade as fast as if we weren't doing an mm. intervention. So I want to just mention also the um, Zandfle Protected Area uh, Committee. That is a, also a formal committee that is recognized by council, which has representatives from the community, but also officials have to report to it. And fortunately, we also have a new mayor now who understands the vital importance of the, of the cleanliness and the functioning of our waterways for the city. So he has created a Section 80 portfolio committee so that the officials can actually not only be held accountable, but that there's a city-wide strategy. Mm. So you see, what I'm trying to explain to you is the whole circle of how we as politicians interact with the administration to lobby something of local importance. That's the perfect situation, but of course it doesn't always go to plan and things, uh, whenever there's a, a, a sewage leak or something like everyone gets up in arms as if there's major degradation, there is, but it would be worse if there weren't people in the background working to maintain what there is so that when that happens, but I know that's that's another, another hot topic. So when... A community has problems. Let's say it's full of potholes. I'm going to use a simple one. Does 20 community members putting in C3s in the different streets and multiples in one street have more uh, ability for action than one from the city councillor? How does it work? Uh, Actually, the opposite. So another interesting fact about city of Cape Town is we're the only municipality that has sub-councils. Right. So you have full council. And you have demarcated areas that comprise several wards that have a sub-council. It's like the building at uh, the Fishhook Library. Exactly. That's where the chambers are. Um, And that incidentally used to be its own municipality. In the old days. Yes. So this is us as um, as the city of Cape Town making sure that there is a level of decentralized decision making. So what I encourage, and you as an individual resident or as a road, or as ratepayers, are all equally allowed to do this. You can contact the sub-council and you can say, I want to formally table a question to the next sub-council meeting. So we have sub-council meetings and full council meetings. And it's the word is delegations. So at a sub-council level, we, are, we have delegated authorities 
as local councillors to make decisions, which then go to full council. So full council then knows sub-council 19, which comprises the area from Musenberg all the way to Cape Point, feels really passionately about this. The sub-council has passed this. Then it goes through to full council and then full council votes it in. Do they ratify that decision? Yes. So legally we have to. We, we're not. We're still one municipality. So you don't have the individual powers only yeah. up to a point and then it needs to be. That would mean we would be our own individual municipality. So it takes a lot away from full council meetings having to have these huge agendas when you can decentralize something and make sure it's going to happen. Well, the fact is we still have huge agendas. We always joke. We say it's like a lethal weapon. We can hit each other over the head with them. But the point is it ensures that... Issues in Musenberg are not treated the same way like in Durbanville. Right. But they, the, the importance of putting C3s in from residents, it's still so, important so to put those complaints to, in. To so stick with your pothole story. Yeah. Let's say it's, it's very topical right now. We've had rains. Road strip has been eroded. Put in the C3s. Then they'll patch up that part of the road. But then you realize, okay, this road actually needs to be completely retarded. Let's bring this to the attention of the sub-council. So then let's say the ratepayer says this particular road needs proper retiring or needs widening or needs better street lighting. They write a written question to the sub-council saying, for this particular area, is there anything on the budget that this road is going to be overhauled? If not, can the relevant official please respond to us when it will be on the plan for official overhaul? We then make recommendations at the sub-council. So it could very well be that this official says, you know, that particular road is not currently on our budget because we have to prioritize other hotspot areas. But I, as the councillor, then can lobby and say, no, 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 this is actually really important. You give me feedback at the next sub-council meeting if you're going to be able in the adjustment budget in February to put my story on the map. Right. So it's it's a holistic collaborative effort. So we have lots of WhatsApp groups which have, which have made they're almost electronic committees. So if the Watson Road, Alexander Road WhatsApp group gets together and says we want to table a question and that gets submitted, we're representing this street, please look into this and then they have to come back to the group and say this is what we discussed, this is the answer, this is the, the, the potential resolution of your so, problem. So the key difference is if this group would just be WhatsApping me. Right. And I now just email the director and say, I want this road tarred. I promise you within a whole five years, it's not going to happen because it's not going to appear on a budget. Right. The reason why, if, if a question is tabled at a sub-council, an official is legally mandated to give a response. Right. It might not mean that you get the budget because remember, we, we're dealing with a huge city with conflicting priorities but it to answer your original question we get more done in conjunction with the community and me as their public representative if we follow process and procedure than if a whatsapp comes to me and i just pick up the phone and then the official's not going to take right because i mean i i i'm pretty i'm big uh, social media activist i'm on social media all the time and i'll see people they've got this problem Contact Amy Cool, it's her fault. She must do something about it. And I, I look at those things and it's a social media, Facebook is not a reporting tool. And then nothing happens and they moan again. And I sit back, I'm thinking, that's just not the way to do it. Now, you're giving us a process whereby we can say, and, and we're not talking about 
64 and sub-council 19. This is applicable to the listeners across our, our listenership area, which they can apply in their different areas. But to, if, you, if you get this process going, you can get results rather than sitting on a keyboard and making lots of horrible statements about your councillors, uh, getting their backs up and thinking, well, these people don't really care. Uh, you know, I've got to work two hours tonight overtime. Do I want to work two hours on this particular issue? because it's come very negatively. So councillors get affected negatively as well, you human beings. Um, then out of that, um, what are some of the, the challenges you have to face when when representing your constituents? So for me personally, my biggest frustration is what I've already mentioned, is that I have limited ability to tackle on-the-ground issues because of a variety of things. One, the the Municipal Structures Act, the Municipal Finance Act, they clearly demarcate what we as a municipality can do versus, for instance, provincial government or national government. You will know intimately the whole story of, I don't tell a SAPS member anything. Mm. I have no jurisdiction over SAPS. We, even as the city, can't hold SAPS accountable. Provincial government has... Um, a department and also a ministry that is responsible for holding the police accountable. Mm. And I think that's that's something across the demographics. Amy so, can't go to the local station commander and say, do your job, we, I've got to satisfy residents. There's no structure for that. You can, but out of a relationship with your station commander, say, hey, come on, my residents are saying, saying this, can you help me? It's very, very different between the two. It, I again, instructing somebody or asking them, having to ask them nicely is two very different things. Mm. So, so One's out of relationship, one's out of accountability. And if you don't have the accountability, you can't do that. And, and so for me, my biggest frustration is we have many issues on the ground. Another one, for instance, is that we have a railway, which we don't manage, which is in between the beach and our mountain and our residential area. Um, we have a lot of social ills that we don't have the absolute power to deal with. So my, my biggest frustration as an individual is I'm a very hands-on person, like I said, and I want to fix stuff. And most of the time, I hit, hit my head against things where I don't have the mandate or the authority to. Your hands are tied in certain circumstances, no matter how big your heart is. Exactly. And I share most of the frustrations that get brought to my attention. Um, and it's, it is quite a demoralizing experience at every community meeting having to explain the complexity because we've all gone through hectic two years. Mm. I haven't met anybody who hasn't had some form of tragedy or stressful event happen to them because the world is no longer as it was. So the, the stress levels of everybody and the frustration levels in general in society are very high. So I fully understand that people approach me and they vent their frustrations, and they finally want somebody to do something about it. And you happen to be the, what do they call the whipping people? The face, take, the face you know, that everybody has access you're to. You're a face to the city of Cape Town, and it's easier to uh, attack a face than it is to sit on a telephone. And I understand it, actually. Yeah. I genuinely, from a human psychological point of view, if you, you know, it's incredibly challenging times. Mm. So, yeah. Let's talk about water location budgets because all of a sudden we see beautiful paving getting done in our community and someone says, oh no, that's Amy's water allocation or that's uh, whoever the local councillor's water allocation. Explain that to us and how, and how it benefits us as a community. 
So the city obviously has double-digit billion rands of budget. And the only way in this uni city, because I remember I told you we're one big municipality, the only way that we get like a little little crumb of that budget for each ward is um, via the ward allocation budget. So each councillor has a budget that's been allocated uh, to them for their discretion as they see the needs arising within their ward. Yes, but it's only, and I'm saying deliberately, only a million rand. Yeah. Okay. Also, what I need to be very clear about is this is not my little slush fund that I just, you know, say, okay, sub-council manager, please just send that money there. So it's carefully monitored. It has to be spent via uh, a city department. Right. So I often get approached by NGOs, rightly so. For instance, we have NGOs that are our big experts at dealing with street people and they say okay just give us the water allocation budget and we'll immediately spend it right there no. i can't do that it has to be spent via a, a city of cape town line department and again this is not like electricity roads law enforcement and the reason why is because we actually need to be held accountable because it's part of the big city through budget. a structure yeah so otherwise we're going to have a qualified audit the Auditor General is going to come and is going to say, well, in Musenberg, um, a million rand just went missing mm. and it wasn't spent within a city department, so it's not on the books. All the residents enjoyed the, the coffee coffee meetings. Exactly. So so I don't have direct access to that right. money. Um, but what we do, and we have a tradition in Sub-Council 19, is that we also try and pool that money mm. so that we have strategic projects which go across the sub-council. So all your city councils in there try have some sort of interaction with each other so you're not doing what they call it in silos. Yes. So the, re- the most recent example is the law enforcement vehicle that mm. we invested into. Um, I do insist that it stays primarily within the sub-council because I know for a fact that um, our law enforcement auxiliary members, which you are one of them, have difficulty getting a a piece of the big pie. Especially the city, to get a city vehicle allocated us so when we want to work on exactly. the weekend. Well, that, I mean, let me just say, yeah, I mean, that's one of the success stories of ward allocation. I mean, there's about 10 of us civilians, auxiliary officers who've spent thousands of hours uh, in that vehicle and been able to, I mean, the the I could list a huge amount of arrests from uh, hijackings to bicycle thefts to you know uh, uh, illegal firearms all been done out of that vehicle. So I mean that that, that is a, a success story. I think it's also pretty easily uh, you can recognise the value of it, but you don't always recognise the value. And people think, well, it should go there because we we want a better park, and this one says no, it should go there because we want a a, a better road. So it's very difficult to keep everybody happy. There's always more that needs to be done that we have money to do yeah but for me that particular vehicle um, and that's why I'm also committing to another vehicle it really it's it's one of our major issues fighting crime Mm. across the different demographics of the ward and it's a very high impact project and for me it celebrates active citizenship well we put in uh, thousands of hours we wouldn't have been able to put in if we had to wait on I remember when we only had city vehicles trying to book a vehicle from a sh- or from a permanent guys who just in case they didn't take it home or whatever was a nightmare but to have a vehicle you can get into and say we're going to do a shift tonight with six people 
actually works very well. So, like, as you say, it does have high impact. How have you impacted uh, in other departments with your allocation? That's a nice one. We all want crime to be solved, but how, I know you did the paving and yes, other things. Yes, let me explain to you the paving. So, so I, I spend considerable time trying to figure out strategic projects where we get the maximum bang for our buck mm. and which is in alignment with the strategic projects that I personally am driving within the ward. So it's safety and security, it's environmental protection and environmental education, and it's assisting where the city is mandated to and can with social redress. Mm. Those are my three uh, priorities. The paving is actually part of a universal access project. We know that. Oh, that's for wheelchairs and prams. and getting those yes. prams with the sort of the, the ramps at the end of exactly. And we've we've battled in Musenberg with that. That's precisely why I said that needs to be addressed because Musenberg is this absolute center of activity around surfing and integrating socially disparate but also differently abled people and we have so, a lot of uh, surfing for disabled people precisely ngos that are doing that so for me it was really important and also society as we have it in cape town right now has very little safe public spaces for moms and children mm. so being able to navigate a public space with a pram or a wheelchair is really about one of the city's pillars of being an inclusive city. So it's not just let's have some pretty paving to keep no. your voters happy. No, no, absolutely not. It was it was about and it's it's not even attract it's not a, in this particular case, it's not only serving actual constituents who voted me in. I mean we know Musenberg Beach attracts people from all over Cape Town mm. and the world. And I've watched people in wheelchairs trying to negotiate those uh those pavements. We've had organisations representing uh, the disabled in, in our community, and one of their big things is always all these street corners without any access uh, to the sidewalks. So this is also an example. I had meetings with these organisations three years back, and the the reality is that sometimes it does take three years for a project to be completed. But that is because the internal departmental processes. You needed to. There's a comprehensive plan for the whole CBD of Musenberg around mm. uni universal access. An engineer has to plan how high the curb needs to be for it to be compliant. Now the city might have that in their plans, but that might be in the budget for three years, three years time. So if you can allocate from your ward, your ward budget, it can speed it up a little. Well, the the key thing is, is if you go to the city of of a department for roads, which I did three years back, and I said, this is a need. Right, this is going to unlock the potential of this area. They said, "Okay, well, we can't allocate anything from our budget in this financial year, but councillor, we can do it next year." So you go in and you strategically say, "Okay, here's my money. Mm. You need to match that amount now." Now they're quicker. They're quicker to do something about it when you've given them some extra money. Exactly. So the three hundred thousand or the three million becomes six million or six hundred or whatever the, the amount. Yes. amount so cost. I use, we use that as leverage. Okay, we've got a few minutes left. How can we support, encourage, motivate our, our councillors to, to combat some of the negativity which they have no control over and issues that they have? Now, how do we? How do people motivate you to? Uh, uh, maybe you don't get motivated by your citizens, but is there a way people can support and help? What really motivates me, and I can genuinely say this, Wayne, what gets me out of the bed on some very difficult days 
is the key people, as I've mentioned, who are doing good things. Mm. So, so we've got environmental groups that are cleaning flays, that are, um, you know, logging endangered species. All the, behind the scenes. All behind the scenes. And I make sure that I engage regularly with them because that gives hope. And mm. I think we're all at a, at a point where we need more hope. We can't keep going on in this post-COVID rolling blackouts. We've learned to appreciate things more, but we still need that hope. So, so I, would, I would suggest that anybody who's feeling hopeless connect with people who are not in that black hole of depression and negativity and you will realize that you will interact with me by default because mm. I am very much focusing on those organizations, those NGOs, those street committees that are, even if it's a small contribution, do what you can with what you've got. I've seen And, I've and seen. I will gladly come and support you in doing that. I've seen that happen, happen in communities. I know me, me specifically I get up in the morning because I'm able to make a, a positive contrib contribution for the things that keep me up at night. <laughs> You know, crime. My specific area is crime. You know, I'm involved in a number of areas. If we could get more people involved with uh, making a making a positive difference, although and a nice thank you email to your city council does go a long way. Well, one. I mean, there was a wonderful letter to the editor in the Echo recently um, from the Clo Valley residents, and that for me was the prime example of active citizenship working together with my office and actually commemorating or praising the um, the officials who helped, mm. right? So I don't need the, the praise email. What, right. I, what I need is somebody who comes with a solution and that I can help that person. And we have a beautiful ward that we live in. This is such a precious place. The world is not, you know, I always say it's the grass is not greener on the other side. It's greener where you water it. Yes, Absolutely. Well, Amy, uh, I know some listeners would have li liked a bit of a harder discussion and put you on the spot. I know sometimes you need to be put on the spot as, as counsellors need to. They need to be challenged. It's important. But we just wanted to find out more in this uh, interview. Maybe we can do a follow-up and look at some specifics that listeners really want answers to. But thank you so much. We really appreciate the time and the effort you've taken out of a very busy schedule. Thank you, Wayne. And I just want to reiterate that um, my contact details are online. Um, mm -hmm. And whoever wants to get hold of me, challenge me. I have no issues with that. Right. Well, thank thank you, you for having us. It's an absolute pleasure. Right. Well, that brings us to the end of the show. Uh, next week, it will be our medical slot. And in four weeks' time, another community slot. But thank you for listening. And uh, many of us, as we already do, will keep on pushing forward in our communities and trying to make them a better place. So for me, Wayne Turner, goodbye and God bless. Chat to you again next week.